Friday edition, Dennis Geisler, John Hartnett, Brett Hahn, Celia, I forgot your last name. It's Schmeidler. Schmeidler. There you go. <laughs> uh, we'll it makes open. you feel any better, Dennis. I, I I still can't pronounce Jake's last name, and we've been doing this for... Uh, you, you've been doing it for a while. You yeah. and Jake have been I, on so I, many shows together. I've been doing it, and, and I mean... John, I, I think so you got it down now, but me, I, I'm sorry. I, 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 I feel so bad. We have like shadows every day, and every day I'm like, I don't know your last name. I keep calling Max Grant and Grant Grant. Like I keep getting like Grant's name right, but I keep calling Max's Max Grant. That's surprising. That just shows you how they don't I'm, look alike. I at keep, all I'm gonna get your name they wrong. They don't I'm really sorry. look alike. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we'll open with the big news in the NFL of. It broke last night, which is Christian McCaffrey being traded to the San Francisco 49ers in exchange for a second and third round pick in 2023, a fourth round pick in 24, and a sixth in 25, I want to say. I think. Did I get that all correct? Let me pull up the Schefter tweet, but I'm pretty confident it's a second and third. It's two fourths, one this year and one next year. Oh, and then two a fifth. fourths and a fifth. Okay. I'm pretty confident, but let me just. Hold on. I'm, I'm pulling the Schefter you. tweet now. Because I. In the middle, in the middle of writing my my piece about uh, Shaquille Griffin's struggles, I saw that. So, <laughs> so I had the yeah. I mean, I was just kind of sitting. Where where was I? I don't know. I don't know. I was somewhere last night, and I saw it. I was like, oh, wild. Um, but yeah, how, how does that kind of shape what is going to happen this season? I mean, you look at it and you say the 49ers are probably the best team in the NFC West, despite everything. Because the Rams have just been so horrendous on offense. I, I'm a Rams hater, by the way. Well, I'm not a Rams hater. I'm a Matthew Stafford hater. Um, what? How? Why? Uh, okay, two large reasons. Uh, two, two, uh, two nested reasons, I guess. One is that uh, his tenure with uh, the Lions ruined the career of Calvin Johnson. And Calvin Johnson is one of my favorite players. If, if he had been able to throw the ball better to more people, then Calvin Johnson would not have had to retire so early as just yeah. kind of a, a random dude who played for the Lions for a while, for a bad team for a while. Uh, you didn't have Megatron Fantasy, I, I guess? No, I, I just right. I just like Calvin Johnson a lot. <laughs> I, think my first, like, um, I think my first year I, I, I had Megatron. And, I, and, he started playing when I was like 10. And, yeah. and part of that, part two, is part of that is connected to Calvin Johnson having been from Georgia Tech, which is right. the team I followed growing up, and Matthew Stafford being from Georgia, which I still have lingering hatred for Georgia, even though I don't even like Georgia Tech that much anymore. That makes sense. Um, so kind of those those combined me. factors make me a, a Matthew Stafford hater. Also, he's a bad quarterback, so uh, that, that contributes to it as well. But... Um, I got the McCaffrey Hall. So where was I going with that? Oh, uh, the NFC West. They're a bad division. Uh, all the teams have three wins now, which is kind of weird. Um, but the Seahawks are overperforming. They're not. Nah, a good Gino's team, the but guy. Overperforming. Gino's been good. Gino is. Gino's the guy. been good. I'm so um, happy for him. I am happy for him as well. I like <laughs> Gino just fine. Uh, but they've been like fine. Uh, the Rams have been good but they haven't been good they they haven't been good the rams haven't been good um and they've had some complete blow-up games they don't know who their running back is uh they've kind of i mean they beat the panthers that's nothing they've beaten teams that are just straight up tanking so i, I don't really see anything positive out of the rams um 
and then the Cardinals the Cardinals have also beaten some bad teams like the 49ers are the only team that I think have really put up decent performances against good teams and that don't have like a horribly pathetic record but most of that comes from the fact that their offense has been bad and their defense has been pretty good um and so I think a lot of that I mean Christian McCaffrey trading for Christian McCaffrey will improve your offense like that that's just how that works uh and kind of the the way I, I I wrap all of that around is uh, Christian McCaffrey will really help this team in terms of just overall construction, right? And it'll mean that Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have to do as much because dumping the ball off to Christian McCaffrey is really easy. Um, and right. now they have two people who, with the ball in their hand, they can do basically anything: uh, Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. And all you really have to do is get the ball in their hands, which is really not that complicated. Um, but yeah. Okay, I was. Okay, so it is a Carolina Just, acquires the twenty twenty three second, third, and fourth, and, and then twenty twenty four fifth. Yeah. Okay. I was, I, was close. I was wrong about the two fourths. Yeah, that, I knew it wasn't two but, fourths, but yeah. I didn't want to tell you that you were wrong. Oh so. no no no! You're good. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> no, so you know, kind of going back to the whole McCaffrey deal, I, I I completely agree with you on Garoppolo. I mean, he he's always been a quarterback that's utilized the short passing game, mm-hmm. and having a, a running back like McCaffrey, who's who had a season of a thousand yards rushing, a thousand yards receiving. And has proven to be a capable receiving threat out of the backfield. It's going to do wonders for him. Now, I, I I think on the flip side of that, it's also going to open up the field more for a guy like Brandon Ayuk, mm-hmm. who, who who's already on the upcome, or who's already up and upcoming. Excuse me, and has shown in the past that he's very good at running those short and intermediate routes, something that the Kyle Shanahan offense is pretty much predicated on, that and zone running schemes. Which the other thing, too, you know, for McCaffrey, at least, being in a zone-based running scheme, I think is going to help his wear and tear, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be beneficial to him as it is going to be for the 49ers. I'm curious to see what they do with with, uh, between, like, Debo lining up in the backfield. I'm curious to see if if they, like, flip it around or... If they are like completely with McCaffrey just operating strictly out of the backfield and Debo going back to like, let's just say like outside or like the occasional look in the slot, or if they're going to still run those gadget plays centered around Debo and they're going to mix and match their looks to throw defenses off even more because the 49ers have a lot of potential now that with um, with McCaffrey there that they didn't have with like a running back like Elijah Mitchell or Jeff Wilson Jr. or a Tyrion uh davis price you know what i mean yeah i absolutely agree and the other thing you have to look at is you say okay yeah they they're making and we've been arguing about this in our own like wrse sports group chat about this like all day but and last night actually like for for almost 24 hours at this point since the news broke but um i don't think the 49ers gave up all that much to get McCaffrey for a running back it's a lot for a running back it's a pretty decent haul or it's a pretty decent amount but at the same time I mean you look at some of the stuff that it's a running back yeah but at the same time it's like they didn't trade away their entire draft they and you look at it and you say okay they are three and three right now and trying to to play for like a title right now which is kind of a weird move but at the same time the NFC is bad like, I, you look at it and you say, okay, if they can win their division, 
they host a playoff game. They play against a bad team, probably, in the first round of the playoffs. After that, they just kind of continue moving forward in the NFC. And it's like, if they can grind out uh, games with Christian McCaffrey, uh, if they can kind of make that offense work mostly on the ground, it can help, especially in those kind of colder months and potential road games uh, on some of those road environments that we might see in the playoffs. And then you never really know what's going to happen in those later stages of the playoffs. But if they look like a better team from now on out and win the NFC West reasonably comfortably, like I think they should... Uh, sky's the limit for this team right now, I think, with McCaffrey. Oh, no, I completely agree. And, you know, trading for a guy like McCaffrey just reaffirms the 49ers' confidence in Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. Now, now I'm not saying when Tr- Trey Lance ultimately comes back next season well, that there I, still yeah, won't I be think, that debate. Yeah, and I think that's but, a nice thing for them as well, not to cut you off, but I, I think it's nice that they have a comfortable situation right now where it's like, okay, whether it's Garoppolo or Trey Lance in at quarterback – McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, they have so many weapons that all they really need is the ball in their hand or a reasonably accurate deep shot. And either of those quarterbacks can do that fine. Um, They can go through reads. They can do kind of whatever. And, I mean, if they get Trey Lanson and he is the kind of multidimensional playmaker that they kind of wanted out of him, then that would be huge for them. But even if he's not... He can still dump the ball off to Christian McCaffrey, and that'll still be a couple. <laughs> that, that that'll put up a couple wins for him. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I it's an interesting trade. I still don't think that the 49ers gave up all that much to do it. Like obviously, it's a lot for a running back, but at the same time, I mean, you're you're giving up a lot for like the best running back. <laughs> yeah, the primary reason why two reasons why I'm saying it's a lot is because number one, this is the first healthy season he's had in three that is years. true. It, it it is true that he's been injury prone but... and the price tag. Mm-hmm. He's gonna make twelve million next year, twelve million in twenty twenty four, and I think it was fifteen million the next year after that. I think you're if correct. he's kept, yeah. so that's a lot of money. And running backs, you know, in in, in recent years, for, definitely have become a more expendable position predicated on guys you know finding guys late in the draft who have less wear and tear on their legs they don't pay running backs a premium like they used to back in the 1990s or even early 2000s they, they, they don't do that anymore so giving up a lot for a running back now or even drafting a running back early like the Giants did with Saquon is very is honestly it, it's universally questioned mm-hmm. but I think for the 49ers, this is going to help them. It's worth the price tag. Their defense has already shown that they're more than capable, and they have depth along each uh, in the secondary, the linebacking room, especially the D-line. That's where their bread and butter is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think Christian McCaffrey's going to do nothing but help, unless he gets hurt, and then obviously everything's going to go for nothing. But we'll Mm -hmm. have to wait and see on that front. Yeah, I mean, frankly, and then we look on the other side to what's up with the Panthers. This is one of the, like, you don't see a fire sale like this in the NFL. I think he's the only one who's going to go. I don't think they're they going to let DJ Moore Robbie go. Robbie Anderson. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay, but Robbie Anderson wasn't doing anything. That's true. But at the same time, it's like, and they basically dumped him off for as little as they could possibly take. I think it right. was like a seventh. He was disgruntled. I mean, yeah. they don't really have any other option like mm-hmm. that. It's, it's, it's like Elijah Moore requesting a trade from the Jets. Like, listen, like, you know, the, the Jets aren't committed to trading him now, but if they do so, te- if, and teams know he's upset, the trade value goes down. That's certainly so. true, but at the same time, I don't know. You're right. Um, I guess it's just like you don't see a team trade multiple players like this in the NFL during the season. No, it's very like, NBA-esque. 
Yeah. So. Or even like baseball, even like, oh, uh, Christian McCaffrey as our tradable asset. We'll trade him for prospects, a.k.a. these random mid-round picks. And we'll see what we get in. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see what we're able to get in the future out of this down the line. And it's just kind of fascinating. The Panthers are just going through a complete tank at this point like they i think the owner said they weren't or sorry the gm said they're not tanking they're tanking they're clearly tanking (laughs) like if they're getting rid of their best player they're totally tanking like already from a bad team they fired their head coach like at this point i mean i I think the question at this point i guess the positive for the panthers right now is that even with tanking like you can play mediocre bad like not like complete tanking bad but just like fairly bad for the rest of the season and still be in position to get a top quarterback in the draft because you'll either get like if you're in the bottom three or so picks then you get either Bryce Young or CJ Stroud and the question is who you want at this point which I mean that's a fair question in itself but a lot of teams that are, and I mean, we're kind of in a spot where there are a number of teams towards the bottom that are looking for a quarterback right now. Um, but the Panthers are one of the ones who are in the best position to get that number one overall pick and pick the quarterback that they want for the future, which I don't know, Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Let's take a poll here. Brett? I don't trust Ohio State quarterbacks. I'll go with Bryce Young. John? What were those three guys' names again? Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. Do no. you know who? No, I don't know. Either of those guys. Uh, C.J. Stroud's the Ohio oh, State quarterback, no. John. <laughs> Bro, Ohio State's a juggernaut. I don't really. It doesn't, doesn't matter who their guy is. They're gonna. Die. And 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 Bryce <laughs> nice Young is Brad. the Alabama quarterback. Just to mm. check you in for that. Celia, do you have any strong opinions on these two quarterbacks? <laughs> Not really. Nope. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I was kind of wondering, because like, there, there has been a little bit of debate over who should be QB1 in this draft. Obviously, there's the what Brett said about C.J. Stroud and Ohio State quarterbacks not being trustworthy in the draft. Why don't you trust uh, Ohio State quarterbacks? I mean, look at the last couple to come out of Ohio State. Look at the last, you like, had, four. Huh. Uh, Justin Fields, who, I mean, he's still, I, I think he's still showing promise, but... He's got a lot of work in his passing mechanics. It's, it, yeah, it's it, it's yeah. it's undeniable. There's a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace. Who uh, just didn't do a whole lot at the NFL level. Mm. Um, who was before that? Uh, there was. Uh, let me think. There, I know there's Cardell Jones back in the day. Like oh yeah, Cardell Jones. And that might have been the one before that actually. So why? And then. Do you think it's because the? Sorry, sorry. I, I mean, I, I think it's primarily the scheme. I mean, a, a, a lot of college programs don't run pro-ready schemes. Okay. Like, this is especially, ev- you know, it, it was especially evident, like, you know, at Ohio State, uh, Baylor ba- Baylor back in the day when they ran the, like, the kind of Cliff Kingsbury-esque offense, you know, with Mariota. Like, th- th- that's not the most pro-ready system. And the point being, the point that I'm trying to make with this is, like, you know, when you're drafting a quarterback like that with a premium pick and they have a large learning curve, it's not ideal. I mean, a, a lot of the times, too, these top picks come in. I, and you can say this for any sport. These top picks come into the league with massive expectations, the expectation to immediately change the culture of your team, to immediately show results in the standings, improve by X amount of wins, whatever it is, get your team geared towards a playoff run, you know, whatever it is. And it's not fair, obviously, but that's just the reality of being a top pick. And 
for NFL franchises, for NBA franchises, for hockey, I'm sure for hockey franchises too, you want a guy who's ready to contribute or has little left to learn before they reach their maximum potential. Do you think it's um, just the, you know, like the skill gap in college football is so, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's wide. I can't think of it. Yeah, you're, you're word. making hand movements here that really help yeah, on the radio. Was, yeah, thank, thank you, Dennis. Um, yeah, like, no worries, man. But do you think, like, the, I mean, obviously the adjustment from college football to the NFL is massive. Hmm. Do you think, uh, like, since Ohio is so dominant in college football, it's, like, not, like, arrogant. I don't, I don't want to say arrogant or, like, overconfident, but do you think just because Ohio, like, the, the prestige of Ohio State, do you think that plays a part in, like, Ohio State quarterbacks going up? Like when they get promoted, like there's like, oh, I'm from Ohio State. You know, I'm obviously I'm great. So do you think does that make sense? I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I I know what you mean, and I don't think it's that personally. No, I, mean, I don't like, think it is either. It, it's okay. kind of a it, it, yeah, and it's kind of a weird thing where part of the reason why so many Ohio State quarterbacks are seen as busts is because they were so highly rated out of college, which is kind of a weird thing. Because I mean, you look at I'm going to mm. be a hater again. You look at Georgia quarterbacks. I mean, look at the last couple quarterbacks to come out of Georgia. Like, Matthew Stafford, he was number one overall. He's, like, the best quarterback to ever come out of Georgia. Not great. He's fine. I mean, he's been a starter for forever. But you look at guys like uh, Jacob Eason, terrible. Um, oh, what's the guy's name? I'm Oh, man, I'm totally blanking. Another guy I'm a hater on. Um, what team is he on now? I think he's on the Giants. That, that the weird guy who started for the Giants a couple games. The oh, Jim Carrey guy. Was it last year? No, no, not Daniel Jones. Year. Daniel okay. Jones went to Duke. Um, what was this? Wait, what was? Um, shoot. I'm this like, year, or last year? I think I think he started a couple games last year. Last I think year? they tried him out this year. What's his name? He's a young guy, right? Um, yeah, uh, Fromm. Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm. Yes, that, yes. That, that's that, it. that another yeah. another <laughs> bum. <laughs> What's wrong with Jake Fromm? He's bad. He's bad at football. I mean, he is bad at football, but he's he's got a cool name. <laughs> and, and and he's from Georgia. Those are two two strikes for me, bud. That um, is a thing. I think this this is a general rule in all sports. I think when you over overhype a prospect and you put like such a big expectation on them, mm-hmm. like a good guy to look at is Steven Strasburg, is the guy for the Nationals. When he was coming mm-hmm. up, he was like one of the yeah, best. I know who Steven, Steven Strasburg is. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> I'm giving I'm giving it structure. <laughs> um, you know, when he was coming up, it was like this this kid's the best pitching pitching prospects since Cy Young. And when he comes up, he checks out everybody in his major league debut, which is crazy. And he had a great career, and he's. I mean, the only problem is injuries. That's a whole He's other. Been mad injured. A whole other, right. A whole other thing. Right. But if, looking at looking at his numbers, they're good numbers. But like when you look back at it, it feels like he never lived up to his to, to his full potential because right. he was so like gassed up and have I, for lack of a better term, uh, like when he was coming up. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I I also want to make one point before you know we kind of get off the whole like sure. you know why mm-hmm. why big program quarterbacks sometimes don't succeed in the NFL mm-hmm. schemes mask deficiencies that is one of the more common draft day phrases and it could not be it, it, it it's completely accurate that's what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. um you know when when you have a plethora of skill players around you that you know let's just say I don't know. Let's just take a look at let's, let's let's take a look at Ole Miss, right? You know, qu- quarterback play, sure, it wasn't that great. But when you have AJ Green, or yeah, no AJ Brown, excuse me, AJ Green, Jesus, that, that that's a YouTuber. <laughs> AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, and then Elijah Moore after as a three. Of course, your numbers are going to be inflated. Your skill players elevate your level of play. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it 
especially you know let's just say evan si all right you know what let's just let's just lay out an example let's just say evan simon randomly at tyreek hill okay mm. at his right you're telling you're telling me his, his numbers wouldn't be inflated because of That's the true. because of the yak of the yak yards after catch ability that Tyreek Hill yeah, displays. I mean, I, in the I short. mean that's kind of interesting because that's like the big point against like Mac Jones coming out of college was that mm. like I mean people would look at the tapes and they'd be like he has like an hour of time in the pocket, uh, right. completely clean pocket. Uh, his receiver has like a mile of separation. Right. Uh, all he has to do is really pitch and catch, and I guess he did that fine, but. He does. That's all he does every single play, especially when he doesn't have to like dump the ball off to like Devonte Smith or something. And it's like, oh well, he just dumped the ball off. What did he do there? Um, but it's not like that's how people treat Alabama quarterbacks on the whole. Like, I mean, Tua Tagovailoa is reasonably respected. Jalen Hurts. I don't really count him as an Alabama quarterback in the same way. Um, and I don't know of anyone else from Alabama in the NFL, but. I mean, that's kind AJ of... A.J. McCarron back in the day. But, oh, but, yeah. A.J. <laughs> McCarron. Good, good yeah, old A.J. McCarron. I, I almost forgot about A.J. McCarron. No, he, um, he, he didn't do anything. I just wanted, I, I just wanted to mention him at least once. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I, I really appreciate that you did that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I don't, like, disagree or anything. But you also have to look at it and say college football is also getting more centralized. Right. Like, a couple of programs are owning more and more of everything. Uh, and so they'll have, like, the best high school prospects at quarterback and will continue to have a lot of really good prospects. And so, I mean, why, if you're a big quarterback prospect, I mean, it's not a ridiculous uh, thing to go to Wyoming, but can you really expect to be a draft pick out of Wyoming just because one quarterback came out of Wyoming one time, you know, by the name of Josh Allen. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is who I'm talking about. Josh Allen. <laughs> I'm, like, looking here at a lot of, like, top quarterbacks where they went to college. Oh, yeah, Matt Ryan went to Boston College. We saw a bunch of Matt Ryan stuff up when I went to Boston College because, you know, he's kind of important being there. Yeah, and he's – I mean, he, he's climbing up the lists of the NFL rankings yeah. as well. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, Matt Ryan's that guy that – I you, picked you, him up off waivers. He's going to be crazy yeah. this year. You, you you look at him, though, and you're kind of like, eh, you know, he, he's all right. But then you realize that he's got, like, you know, he's, like, seventh all-time in passing yards mm. or whatever it is and, like, He's crazy. A million, like a, a gazillion touchdowns. I'm like, you know what? Like, yeah, this guy's played for some crap, some like some crappy Falcons teams. Mm -hmm. The Colts haven't really taken off the way they expected to, but he, but he's still, he's still doing fairly well. Yeah. You know, every and the problem with Matt Ryan too, and I, I feel bad for him is mm -hmm. everybody thinks a 28-3. Yeah, and I mean that, which that isn't even his fault. Yeah, but, it's not even really his fault. No. Like there is definitely, and I mean part of the thing is that they didn't even win the coin toss in overtime where they probably would have scored if they had gotten the ball first but even apart from that like i don't know it's not his fault like <laughs> there, there are a lot of things that contributed to that why is it matt ryan's fault in particular <laughs> he's the quarterback quarterbacks carry I, the burden on their shoulders i suppose i suppose that is true media, media pundits love to pick a quarterback it's the biggest yeah. thing uh, I guess because we spent this entire NFL segment talking about two teams and things related to those topics. Uh, anything else interesting in the NFL this weekend? Uh, obviously, last night we had the Cardinals and the Saints in a bizarre, bizarre game. It's a shootout. <laughs> yeah, I can't say I expected a shootout from no. the uh, the Andy Dalton and Kyler Murray 
Honestly, if if the Saints won that game, Cliff Kingsbury might have been fired. Um, the fact that the Cardinals won that might have saved Cliff Kingsbury's job for at least a week or two. <laughs> but even still, that was a it's a weird game. It was just kind of weird. Anybody yeah. watch it? I did not watch it. No. Okay. I, I watched a little bit of it because. Um, because I had money on it. Well, I had a free bet on it, but it was still money. So I watched some of it. I couldn't believe Andy Dalton was like looking like vintage Bengals Dalton there, oh, slinging yeah, deep passes. In the beginning. I, I, I was impressed. He threw three interceptions, but, you know, because they were playing from behind, he was still able to accumulate almost 370 yards passing mm. and three touchdowns. Oh, wow. Or, so, or no, four touchdowns, excuse me. So, I mean, it's, it's good. It, it, it was a good performance. I mean, he kind of reminded me of a prime Jameis Winston there where you're just going to keep airing the ball. And, you know, you're, you're going to get your stats, but you're going to throw a gazillion picks in the process, too. They, I have to think Jameis taught him a thing or two before he went in there and played that game. I found well, out something actually kind of fascinating. So I think I, I, I want to get the stat right. I believe it was players all time with at least 20 rushing touchdowns, eight receiving touchdowns and eight passing touchdowns. Uh, and Taysom Hill got to that mark last night, I believe, because he got a touchdown pass, which he usually doesn't, even though he's marked as a tight end. Do you know who the other player who has fit that all time? Uh, off top of my head, I don't. They they, they they had a stat, too, of like, you know. It's I, not someone I, you would I, expect. I don't know if this is the one you were thinking of or not, but it was guys who had like, I, I, I want to say it's like, I want to say it's 20 receptions, 20 carries. Like twenty passing touched or like twenty passes passing touchdowns or something mm. like that. It, it was some random stat, and, and and all I know is it featured Cordell uh, Cordell Stewart, who was oh, the old yeah. Steelers quarterback, you know, before Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Taysom Hill was like the only two names I recognized on the list. Yeah. Well, um, I, here's but. like specifically on the touchdowns, and I I I think it was exactly like twenty rushing, eight receiving, eight passing. Walter Payton's the other only other player. Walter Payton has eight passing touchdowns. What a what a G. Absolutely. I love Walter Payton. I mean, I'm a Bears fan, so I love Walter Payton. He's one but... of the best running backs to ever play. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that was kind of a weird game last night. Uh, I don't think it meant a whole lot, because both of those teams are bad. I mean, it was one of those... I mean, at least it was a more entertaining brand of two bad teams just kind of being there on Thursday night than Commanders-Bears, which was... Horrible uh, that, and that was egregious. Yeah, it was egregious. Like, at least fantasy fa- fantasy owners got to be like ha- have a, having a good time with uh, all their players having weird games. Um, I think the game did mean something though because it was D Hop's season debut. It was D Hop's season. He had ten debut. receptions for 103 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, he was the only receiver really. Yeah, I mean, that they it, had. it's not like there was absolutely nothing no. going on, but it, yeah. it was just kind of uh, I don't know. It was just a personal narrative, though. It wasn't yeah. really any like yeah, team that's the thing. It's stuff. like the the Cardinals improved to three and four on the season. The mm-hmm. Saints, like, I mean, the the funny thing about the Saints is that they don't have their first round pick this year. It's to the Eagles, right? So the Eagles, who are the best team well not the best team but one of the best teams in the nfl probably the best team in the nfc uh might get like a top five pick this year if the saints keep doing this badly (laughs) which would be kind of incredible if the saints not only did really poorly but also gave away a top five pick (laughs) uh to one of the top teams in the nfc to pick like another generational player to add to already a really stacked lineup uh but yeah i guess we can uh 
We'll take a quick break. On the other side, we'll uh, talk a little bit of NBA, I think. Of course, I'm So, you're listening here to The Crew on WRSU-FM, New Brunswick. The WRSU Crew Friday edition, last 30 minutes here with you. Let's talk a little bit of NBA. We are, uh, like, what, four days into the regular season? This is the fourth day of the NBA regular season, I believe. Started on... Tuesday, right? Uh, it started last... I want to say it started last Thursday. No, it started on Tuesday. Oh, wait, no, no, yeah, you're right. Wait, wait. <laughs> I, my date's all mixed up. Yeah, you're right. It started the 18th. All right. Yeah, it started three days ago. <laughs> so, so I, <laughs> Today's I, day four. I, I pulled the schedule up. It started on Tuesday. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, I bet days all mixed up. I thought it was like before, right before November. <laughs> uh, what are what what have your takeaways been so far, Brett? Yes. Um. Well, the 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 Lakers really have an issue with spacing, and this was something that they they you know were dealing with all year last year. The question all season, and rightfully so, was how would Westbrook fit within this offense? We we we've seen it time and time again that he's not a shooter. That he, that regardless of how many times you know you have him in a lineup with LeBron and AD and they leave him open, he's not going to make those shots. He went over eleven last night and oh for six from three. Oh for six from three point range exactly. He, he's a twenty nine percent career three point shooter. He and he, he just doesn't fit on this team. And and unfortunately the you know regardless of what every delusional Lakers fan was saying over the offseason, there's no way to get rid of him. He makes too much money. Yeah, that's the thing is, like, mm. unless you're unloading him, because the problem is, like, salary matching, you either have to get a couple players in return, which would be kind of a weird thing, or you would have to get another max contract player in return, which who is giving away a max contract player for, like, because Russell Westbrook's contract is expiring also, right? So, like, you're getting... Basically, you're you're getting the right to tank, which I guess this year getting the right to tank is maybe something, but I don't know who's really agreeing to that in the NBA right now that has like a contract that they can trade in return, and who would then be happy to be just like really bad because the the answer the answer is everybody wants Wembenyama, but like come on, you you're, you're trading a bunch to get Russell Westbrook. I don't know. You could also argue that a team that trades for Westbrook, though, wouldn't be able to fully tank. Because That's I, true as well, where he's able to just kind of put up okay enough numbers. Yeah, he is an unrestricted free agent after this year. I think if Westbrook's on a team that has shooters and can utilize floor spacing to allow him to attack down low, then they're, they're, they're going to end up winning more games than they want to. The only option, I feel like, you know, for teams that trade for Westbrook, you know, that want to tank, kind of like you're saying, is do what the Rockets did with John Wall and just say, hey, you know, we want to focus on developing our younger guys. Can you please sit out while we try to trade you? And, mm. you know, that situation would come up again. Except, you know, obviously if you trade for Westbrook, you're not going to be able to move him again. So he'd pretty much just be sitting there eating up salary. Yeah, that's the thing. He just kind of, he, he, he would literally just sit there. And I mean, I, you'd lose him at the end of the season. You'd have like, uh, what's it called? Like bird rights on him, but that doesn't really do anything. Um, because you're not going to give him a max contract after this season, so somebody will probably want to offer him more money than you. And I, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 just a bad situation for the Lakers. The Lakers are just in a bad spot. <laughs> yeah, and and they they didn't utilize their. I mean, they utilized their mid level exception to sign Lonnie Walker from the Spurs. I mean, don't get me wrong, Lonnie Walker is an incredible defender. He's a great small ball wing, but. 
you need more than one. Sh- you need more than one shooter. Which is why in it, this NBA, yeah, in this NBA, yes. Which is why it was very befuddling to me that the Lakers traded for Pat Bev. I still don't understand that one. That's a really weird move, and it, it's it made, made no it sense. So that they're like really, it, it's it's just a really weird lineup that they have now because now they have two point guards they want to play all the time because they have so much money invested into each of them, right. and neither of them can play really good offense. So now you're in a situation where all of your offense has to come from LeBron and AD and that's not a situation you want to be in. <laughs> no, I mean it, it can get done. It's just you have to surround I, I mean you've seen it throughout LeBron's career. You have to surround him with the right guys and you know the the, the, the teams that worked. Look at the players around him. The Heat. You had you had Wade and Bosh. Bosh at that point converted to a stretch four and he was very proficient in knocking down the corner three. Then you had guys like Mike Miller, Shane Battier, Ray Allen in the late stages of his career. What are these guys? They're sharpshooters. Their job is to stand out on the elbow or stand out or stand out on the wings or, or, or you know, rotate around and move to the corners and feast on open looks that LeBron and Dwayne Wade create, right? Because these guys, at the end of the day, like LeBron, like an Anthony Davis, they're going to command attention and defensive presence in the mid-range and the paint. You need guys who can make you pay on the outside to put less strain and focus on AD and LeBron. They just don't have that. Mm-hmm. So it, it, all season, it's going to be you know periods of stagnation in your offense. Um, you know, defensively, you, you you can be as great as you want. You, you can be as great as you want in the paint and on the mid range too. But this isn't two thousand. This isn't two thousand six anymore. This is the 2022-2023 NBA. Everything's perimeter oriented, and the Lakers just aren't updated, and it's going to cost them at the end. Yeah, I mean it's gonna cost them like now. Like that's the it issue. cost them last this season. Team is like, and here's the the issue. And we were looking at this going into the season. Is that it's like okay, let's take a look at the Western Conference. The Spurs are tanking. The Jazz are in the middle of getting ready to tank more. Right. Uh, the Thunder probably tanking. Yeah, the Thunder are definitely tanking. Yeah, now that uh, they don't have Chet. Probably. Yeah, since they don't have Chet. Yeah. Uh, so that's I listed three teams already. Uh, the Rockets are probably the Rockets tank. are probably tanking. Yeah. The Kings probably tanking. Um, the Trailblazers probably tanking. Uh, Maybe somewhere I, in that I don't range. Know. I don't know. They're not good. I think Dame's on the comeback tour. Dame or he's going to try to at least. Tour, but what's he going to do with no players? Like the the the. It feels like the management of the Trailblazers is tanking, even if Dame is not. You know. They're 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 in that confusing stage, and 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 I feel like the Kings are too. The Kings mm-hmm. will never openly admit to tanking. They will, you know, look. They could have tanked last year and gotten a higher pick than you know number four. Granted, they got Keegan Murray, very good player, very great pick from them. But you traded for Sabonis midseason, mm-hmm. right? To pair with De'Aaron Fox, and you trade away Halliburton. Mm-hmm. It should have been the other way around. You should have traded De'Aaron Fox away. Yeah, trim salary. Kept Halliburton around, and then that—that's a true commit to a rebuild. The Kings have shown, you know, whether it's through ownership, you know, want to remain competitive, whatever it is, they're—they're they're in that that dreaded middle ground. Yeah, and I guess where I'm going with this is that if you look at the teams that are either tanking or kind of wanting to tank, the Lakers should be in the play-in because they're be. not tanking, yeah. and that's the issue. Is that like? They can't be so bad that they're not in the play-in, right? Like, they can't be worse than the tanking Thunder and the tank. 
excuse me, and the tanking Rockets and the tanking Spurs and the Kings and Trailblazers and the Jazz, who are definitely tanking. That's four teams right there. They need to be better than the Kings or the Trailblazers, either of whom can decide midseason, yeah, no, we're actually tanking, goodbye. Or could get, like, an injury and decide, oh, we're tanking, goodbye. Um, And then the Lakers would be in the play-in. That feels realistic, right? (laughs) Like... on paper yes on paper and so that's kind of the insane thing is like if we're talking about the lakers like they might not make the play-in that's pretty bad because they they're in such a good spot to do so and remember they uh i believe it's a pick swap this year right with the pelicans so even if they do finish outside of play-ins that just means that the pelicans might be able to pick swap into something insanely good and the pelicans are going to be good this year Pelicans are pretty good. What do you think about the Pelicans? I like them. Um, you know, they I like the addition of CJ McCollum to that to that lineup. because um, they have a very they had a very solid, you know, like mix of offense and defense before, but bringing in CJ McCollum has that second score uh, has that score second scoring threat locked down alongside Brandon Ingram. Yeah, and if like, Zion can stay yeah. healthy, you know he's gonna get his buckets. But, yeah, I was gonna say like I, I like know. I like that bold uh, addition of Zion Williamson uh <laughs> to to the to the Pelicans lineup, you know? Yeah, the the the, the whole premise with him obviously, you know, is is, is health. But yeah. but you know, nonetheless Zion and his limited spurts has shown crazy athleticism yeah it's the sort of thing if he, can, if he can stay at least reasonably yeah. healthy for a season then he will be that this pelican team will be really good because he's going to be really good and ingram and mccollum are going to be good around him valanchunas is really good too that, yeah. that, that's a guy who gets slept on every year jonas mm-hmm. valanchunas he, he he's a he's a nightly double double threat he's an above average defender for the center position and someone that's definitely helping this team out and the emergence of uh, Herbert Jones down the stretch last year and into the playoffs and mm. the guy they uh, affectionately call Grand Theft Alvarado Jose Alvarado <laughs> with his sneaky uh, l- let me hide in the bench calls. <laughs> l- yeah right l- 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 let me sneak it from behind the bench and steal the ball from you move mm. um, they-, they have point being they have solid defense on that team to go along with uh, improving or excuse me not improving with more additional offensive weapons I, I i can't speak today mm-hmm. to save my life but but yeah no i know what you mean you know what i mean <laughs> yeah so. and yeah they're they're an interesting team at this point and i think at this point like it's it's still too easy or too easy too early to really tell for most of these teams where it's like okay i i'm able to get kind of a proof of concept of what the lakers and 76ers are doing but they both played against two good teams so far like both of their seasons, like, the 76ers season is not going to be determined. Like, it'll partly be determined by how they play against teams like the Bucks and Celtics down the stretch. But if they can at least secure, like, the four seed in the playoffs, they'll be able to make a run if they want to. The Lakers, their season will not be determined by how they play against the Warriors and Clippers. Like, it'll depend on how they play against the Blazers and Kings and uh, even a team like the Nuggets, who's in kind of a weird spot right now. Um and some of the bottom teams in, like, the, the Eastern Conference. So, uh, I don't know. I feel like we're just kind of at this point right now in the NBA season where it's like, okay, I need to get, like, a sample size now because anything can happen in one game of basketball, especially in the NBA. And I actually want to see what will happen when these teams go night in and night out for a while and I can actually rate them on a, a better scale, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, right now, everything we're saying is based off of preseason projections and mm -hmm. how the roster looks on paper. Yeah, you know? and I mean, even oh. though we've seen games so far, is there anything from the games you've seen so far that you find interesting? Kawhi Leonard coming off the bench. <coughs> yeah. That's something that seems that the Clippers are committed to start the season out. I, I and guess the minutes why not. restriction it is on, like, yeah. it, especially if they were able to make the playoffs last year, even with no Kawhi Leonard, no Paul George, like having Kawhi mm -hmm. Leonard off the bench is like an indulgence for them. So I, I no reason not to. I mean, if you're able to beat a team like the Lakers with that, like you can basically just say, okay, we'll bring them off the bench in like maybe an important situation or. Or we'll we'll start him or play him more in like a, a more critical game, maybe a national TV game, team games against better teams. But bring him off the bench, or even don't play him at all against some teams. And it's like, okay, if we lose some of these games, it's whatever. Because at the end of the day, yeah, it is the regular season, and the Clippers are a good team. So if they're able to stay healthy through the season, they're a dangerous team in the postseason, even if they end up as like the five seed. Right. No, no, I completely agree. And, and you know, re regardless if Kawhi was starting or they're coming off the bench, like you're saying, load management is still going to be a thing all season. D Doc Rivers, or not, not Doc Rivers, excuse me, the, the, the Clippers organization in general is just v a very heavy believer in that philosophy. So, mm -hmm. so you're going to see it with Paul George. You're going to see it with Kawhi. I mean, I, I, I have strong inclination to see it with John Wall as well. Yeah. And, I mean, that... That's just something. That's the reality of the new NBA as well. I mean, you'll probably see it with guys like LeBron, see it with Anthony Davis. You see, mm -hmm. it, see it league wide. There's very few coaches in the NBA and organizations these days, for that matter, that just don't utilize load management at all. It's become a huge part of the game. I mean, there's no reason not to. Like, at the end of the day, if if the difference is your best player might be injured or uh, just like gassed a little bit more versus you lose what five regular season games like who cares especially like and it's especially a test for a coach where it's like okay i have a shortened rotation what do i make out of this and how do i mix things up to both surprise the other team and actually win the game in the 48 minutes and i don't know i think that's a, a reasonable test for an nba head coach on a night-to-night -night basis it just isn't very like entertaining for fans to watch when big star players are could be out on like a quarter of games for no given reason other than and eh, they just don't they, they they're just not there today right no, no i completely agree the other the other thing too the early season uh the, the other early season narrative that you know is kind of interesting to me at least is draymond green and clay being on a minutes restriction start the season out as well yeah, it's kind of interesting. I don't know. I'm like, I don't know how long it's gonna last, but that's just. I don't something know how I long it's gonna last, and yeah. I also like, I don't know. Those guys are old now. They're old. It's crazy. And they've to think played about. so many like, and they've played so much more basketball than so many other players because they play so deep into the postseason every year. So, right. I mean, they they've probably played at least a season or two of extra basketball over the years. I mean, Draymond Green's got gray in his beard already, so yeah, so exactly. you can see it starting to <laughs> see it starting gray, to hit Graymond. a little bit. Um, <laughs> Graymond Green, <laughs> thank you. I, I'm, I I hope you appreciated that. I did. Um, that was incredible. But yeah, I mean, you look at it and you say, yeah, I I don't know. I I it's 
the Warriors, I, I, I'm lower on the Warriors than a lot of people are this year. I think a lot of people are, like, really high on the Warriors. They think they'll just go and repeat and just be right back in the title game this year. I don't actually think they will. I think they're a good team, but I... Who do you have over them? Uh, you're going to hate me when I say it. I like the Grizzlies this year. I think the I'm, Grizzlies I mean, I mean, are it's, actually... it's not far-fetched. It's just, mm. um, I, I, I don't know. It, I don't, I, yeah. <laughs> it's not, it, it's not far-fetched, but... I don't know. It's tough. I mean, I, I the Grizzlies have a great young core. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've shown vast improvement. John mm-hmm. Morant is a top 10 player in the league. Mm-hmm. No doubt in my mind. It's just a matter and of... And they have um, playoff experience now. They have playoff experience. I just think... for I, I, I honestly just think their big man situation is the reason why they're not going to be there. That's true. Steven Adams, don't get me wrong. Defensive, defensive wizard, great rebounder. Jaron Jackson Jr., will he be available or not? That's the biggest thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, part of my expectations is that Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to be available somewhere in, like, January or something like that, um, mm-hmm. which I don't know the exact timetable for his return, but I think it should be somewhere around then. Because, um, yeah, I, I, it's whatever if a player like that is missing the beginning of the season. <laughs> Um, I kind of meant more towards yeah, they, like the, the stretch run. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. kind of the thing. They say he could return between November and January. Yeah, before um, before Christmas, it's saying. So here. yeah, so yeah. so well before it even really matters. Um, mm-hmm. and well. yeah, that's kind of if he's back, then I'm liking the Grizzlies quite a bit, and I don't know, like. I look at the other teams in the Western Conference, and I'm like, these are good teams, but I also can see issues with them. The issue with the Warriors being they're just so old. (laughs) Uh, A lot of young guys are stepping up, though, like Jordan Poole. There are young guys stepping up, but to the same degree, like Draymond is not playing, like, great. Klay Thompson has not played great. Do you think they need Draymond, though? (sighs) They need somebody down there. I guess, uh... Kaminga, but still, I, I don't know. Like, I can see Looney and Kaminga still being effective. I, I I could see what you mean. I I guess yeah. it's not that they need Draymond in particular, but they need like somebody there. Um, and I don't know that Looney is going to be that guy in the long term. I could see Kaminga, and same thing with Kaminga, where it's like he's fine. I just don't see him. He's being just a like, raw prospect, right? Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely part of it, and. Mm. I don't know. I, I, I just don't feel it. And obviously there's the issues with, like, Wiggins and, like, what happens. No, not Wiggins. Yes, Wiggins. No, Pool. It was with Pool, right? Pool and Draymond? Oh, oh the fight? Yeah. yeah, it was Pool and Draymond. Yeah. I was going to say, like, it's not Wiggins. It's Pool. Pool is up for, like, a new contract, potentially. He got extended uh, already. Oh, he did? Yeah. I didn't even notice. It was Draymond who didn't get extended. Oh. Um, yeah, and that's the other four-year thing. four-year extension right? signed by Pool. So he's, yeah. he's, he's there for... Yeah, I mean, it's future. like if uh, Draymond's not getting, like, <laughs> I, I don't think Draymond's going to get extended for a lot of money. He might get expen- extended for a little money, but, like, he, he's not going to be able to get the money that he probably wants from the Warriors, and so he might not stick around after this season. And I don't know. It probably wouldn't be that bad to lose Draymond if they're able to kind of patch up that situation with Kaminga and Looney kind of in that area, but I don't know. I just I I don't I don't feel it. I don't feel the Warriors this year. It's just vibes. <laughs> Maybe this will be Chris Paul's year. 
I want it so bad. I do. I do want it too. But it's I don't not think gonna it's happen, gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, not this year. I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't ever. think the sun, the Suns are worse than they are last than they were last year. And the Western Conference is better than it was last year and more top heavy. So I don't really see the space for the Suns if it, if they didn't get it done last year. I don't see the space for them to do it this year when they have to go through a better Timberwolves team and a more experienced Grizzlies team and a healthier Nuggets team and a Warriors team that's basically the same or a healthier Pelicans team. Like, I, Do I see them beating all these teams in the playoffs? Nah, not really. And then they have to get to the finals and beat, I think, the Celtics. Do you have the Celtics in the finals? Who do you have in the finals on the, from the Eastern Conference? I didn't even think about predictions yet. But, I, but I mean, the, the Celtics, when fully healthy surely can repeat and go that, that's what i was saying and then everyone they also lost gallinari though who's that's true. supposed to be a big part of their rotation this year to a torn acl like, that is true before the season started so it's kind of it's hard to say do i think gallinari is going to like be the make or break absolutely not they they got brogdon they got time lord mm-hmm. robert williams has been incredible <laughs> love the nickname that's like the best nickname oh, in the yeah, league absolutely. um you know jason tatum does jason tatum things jalen brown is the, as good of a number two as you can possibly get Mm-hmm. Um, Derek White off the bench is the spark plug. Uh, mm-hmm. Grant Williams is still there, and you know he he showed up in the playoffs last year. They're they're a deep team, mm-hmm. but the East ha- is a lot better than what it was. So it's very hard to say because I could see there, there there's a few teams I could see making it out. I could see that I could see the Celtics. I could see the Sixers sneaking in there. Mm-hmm. I could see the Heat with their amazing top ranked defense and you know jimmy butler doing winning things finding their way in the contention window again and uh, i was gonna say the bulls but then then i realized like that's all contingent on when lonzo ball comes back and there's no timetable for that yet so it's kind of tough to speak on them but you know right there bulls but they're not gonna get there no, but yeah, but like right there, that's three teams that you mm-hmm. can see making it out, and, and the Bucks. You can never count out Giannis, yeah. so yeah, that's four. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. On the other side, we'll have rapid fire to close out the crew here on WRSU FM, New Brunswick. Last few minutes here on the WRSU Friday crew. We'll be going till six, and it is rapid fire time. That's what that music means. And the first news, big news that we missed today that just broke before we started. This might be big news for you and me on our fantasy teams, Brett. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is out for six to, uh, excuse me, four to six weeks, going through arthroscopic surgery on his left knee. Kenyon Drake is expected to be the starting running back which you have on your team oh so, so he's definitely expected to be it because I, I i thought gus edwards might come back well and that's the other thing is that gus yeah. edwards might come back they have not made a clear statement on gus sit edwards. out one more week please i i, I need a win I, <laughs> sit I, out one week <laughs> i i can i can let him sit out one more week i need gus edwards back man i need him back uh I mean, I have, I've, I've been stashing <laughs> gus edwards this whole time but um yeah, one, what does this mean for the Ravens in general? I mean, they already have a reasonably deep running back room that doesn't rely too heavily on J.K. Dobbins, doesn't rely too heavily on Gus Edwards, doesn't rely too heavily on Kenyon Drake. Uh, 
they don't really they, they've had a lot of injuries kind of across those players over the past couple of years uh not obviously not ken and drake but they, they've been kind of uh bouncing back and forth between all those running backs and they've been just as good altogether yeah they're i, I mean they're uh their offensive system under greg roman is very r- rushing oriented and when you have a quarterback like lamar jackson who is basically the second coming of Michael Vick, you know, with whether his arm's better than Vick's, I mean, we can sit here and debate that for an entire segment. Mm-hmm. But, you know, point being, you know, playing to your quarterback's strengths and having a good old line to boot, I mean, you're, you're going to be running the ball a lot. And that's what the Ravens have done. And I don't see a reason why they would ever abandon that game plan as long as he's employed on the roster. All right. Speaking of NFL injury news, uh, Russell Wilson has been a limited participant in practice. He is a game time decision with a hamstring injury up against the Jets at home this weekend. His backup quarterback is Brett Ripien, yep. uh, who has just kind of been hanging out on the uh, practice squad for the Broncos for a while. And his only start in NFL in the NFL has been in 2020 when he uh, started against the Jets. So, he could start against the Jets this week. What are your uh, as as the one with the Jets hat? I don't mean to keep pushing it to you, Brett, but you're the one with the Jets hat here. What are you feeling about uh what might happen this weekend whether Russell Wilson sticks around, Ripien gets in? What do you think? I still think the Jets will win this game. 100%. And and, and here's <laughs> you a Jets why. Fan? You you do have the Jets yeah, He's hat. wearing a Jets hat too. I'm surrounded. <laughs> that, we got him. I was trying to I was trying to point at John. Like when you said, "Oh, I'm wearing a Jets hat." I'm like, "So is this guy over yeah, here?" Yeah, I, I didn't but see it. I, I was looking in that John, direction. John, go first. You I haven't sp- you, you haven't there. spoken in a while, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, feeling, John. I think the Je- I first of all, I started getting into the Jets fandom about two years ago when they when mm-hmm. they started like over fourteen or over thirteen. All I had to do was you lo- started rooting for them when they were losing. Hundred percent. I have so much. I have so much respect for you right now. Hundred percent. That's crazy. And I was like, all I have to do is lose these games, and we'll get a first pick, and we're gonna be great. And even though we've seen how how Trevor Lawrence is kind of a bust. Uh, so it kind of works out. We got Zach Wilson. Anyway, so I still think Trevor's better than Zach. I think he is. That's a different conversation. But like, uh, the Jets have looked great. I mean, they're they're four and two. Uh, they're playing Denver, right? I mean, yeah. And Russell Wilson is he out? I'm sorry. I uh, he's a game, game time decision. decision. That was what we just said. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. Right. Um, <laughs> okay. If he who's the backup for Denver? Do we know? Brett Brett Ripien. Apologies if I if I asked. If <laughs> we, 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 it. Brett Ripien. <laughs> Uh, I just, I think they have a little magic. I think they know. I think this is more mental than, than the actual team. I think they're gonna, they're winning this game. You, if we sit here, Denver's just, offense also is the lowest scoring offense in the NFL. If we sit here and like try to plan it out, we will. You just gotta go with it. You, you gotta bet with your heart. Hundred percent. Never bet game. with your heart. Oh, it's hundred percent. Never bet to. with your heart. Have That's to. an awful idea. <laughs> That's what I. I uh, yeah, hundred percent. Right. What do you think? What do you think, Brett? What do I think? I I think the Jets are gonna win, not because of my heart, but because um, you gotta have heart. Because Sauce Gardner has shown. Oh, he's so filthy. That he has shown in man coverage the prowess that we or not that we excuse me that the New York Jets drafted him for, and it elevates the play of the rest of the secondary. Keep in mind too that DJ Reed has played out of his mind. Jordan Whitehead's been a really good replacement for um for. Who was it? Marcus May was playing that position last year, so he's a good replacement for him. And one one guy that gets you know I feel like gets slept on a lot. And this is a McCagnan draft pick that actually panned out pretty well. It's Ashton Davis playing that free safety position. 
He, I, I, I think he's a really good player. Um, he's got great instincts, good coverage skills and zone. And the, the Jets defense, you know, the Jets defense as a whole benefits from it. But it's not just the secondary. The, the D-line, too, is looking like a prime 49ers defensive line. And they have depth. That's the reason why I think they'll come out on top. All right. Last thing I wanted to share. Texas Rangers hiring Bruce Bochy as their manager. Three-time World Series champ, 2000 game winner. With that, we are going to call it for today's crew. We've got uh, soccer up in just under an hour. Men's soccer as they take on Michigan at Urasak Field. And then we've got football tomorrow. Rutgers countdown starting at 11. Be sure to keep it uh, locked for that. And in general, keep it locked here to WRSU-FM New Brunswick for further programming.